You're listening to Thank You Five, a podcast devoted to Omaha's vibrant performing arts scene. My name is Dana Schweiger, and I've worked in Omaha theater for over 25 years. I'm sitting down with directors, performers, musicians, technicians, and designers to discuss their artistic talent, their passion, and why they continue to call Omaha home. Connie Lee has been performing on area stages for over four decades. She calls herself a lifelong theater addict with pride. Some of her favorite award-winning roles include Diane in The Little Dog Laughed, Mrs. Robinson in The Graduate, Doris in Same Time Next Year, Mavis in Stepping Out, Billy Dawn in Born Yesterday, and Regina in The Little Foxes. She was also honored to be invited to perform in Washington, D.C. as part of the Blue Barns production of A Piece of My Heart. It was the experience of a lifetime, both theatrically and personally. Recently, Connie relished playing the role of Louise in Always Patsy Cline for part, followed by an encore second run of the show. Connie Lee. Yes. Welcome to the green room. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for coming over. I normally ask people if they are from Omaha, but I know for sure you are not. You are from Council Bluffs, is that correct? Well, yes, I'm from Council Bluffs. Grew up in Council Bluffs, moved to great big move across the river to Omaha in uh, my early 20s and just moved back to Council Bluffs four years ago. So which grade school did you go to over in Council Bluffs? I went to James B. Rue School. Okay. <laughs> did you perform in any school plays or anything like that in grade school? Did they have uh, like any classroom plays? They did not have any plays in grade school. However, my introduction to theater was when I was in fifth grade, the local high school, Thomas Jefferson, had auditions for the Von Trapp children. Ah, for their production of Sound, Sound of Music. Music. And I got cast as Gretel, the youngest. So I was just immediately in love with that world. And uh, as a matter of fact, the high school director, main drama person, R.H. Fanders, just recently passed away. He was a treasure, an absolute treasure. And that was quite an experience. And I knew right then. <laughs> that that's what you wanted to do? I loved it. <laughs> Did you do any other community theater, or community theater plays or anything else at the high school when you were in grade school? Or was that your only experience? That was my experience. Okay. I loved it so much and I knew I'd have to wait too long before I could get to actually taking theater classes because it wasn't going to be offered in junior high. So I took summer school Okay. Drama. And where was two that? summers? It was at TJ. Okay. And it was taught by R.H. Fanders. And it was really cool because it was a mix of my age on through high school. So we had a real mix of ages and types, and it was really fun. So you said you did that over the summer. Now, did that culminate in like a little performance yes. that you could do? Yes. As a matter of fact, I can't remember how many boys were in that class, but. I got, we, we wrote a play for one of those years, and it was about Charlie Brown, and I got to play Charlie Brown, <laughs> so that was fun. Yeah, I got a lead role. I remember nothing about it, except that I played Charlie Brown. You were first in a string of lead roles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it took a while to get back to that. 
Did you also start dancing? When, when, did yes. you, when did you start dancing? I started with dancing. I started okay. dancing from before I was uh, always. My grandmother used to tell me that I said to her when I was quite young, Grandma, my feet were made to dance. So I was dramatic even way back then. But I started taking lessons. My mom started taking me to lessons when I was five. And I was crazy about it. And I did that all through the years and assistant taught when I reached a certain age. And then a little later on, I did teach a few classes myself, very few, but, and just kept keeping a leg in, so to speak, going to classes <laughs> here and there. And uh, yeah, so I, I was crazy about dance. And when I was very young, I at first thought I wanted to be a dancer. And when I was young, I had no idea what that meant. I just knew I loved to dance. And I grew up watching the old movies, the old mostly black and white movies and a lot of Fred and Ginger and things like that, but other movies too. And I did want to be one of those ladies in those big floaty dresses. But more than that, I kind of wanted to be Fred Astaire. <laughs> he was the deal for me. Yeah. But then, and, and I started in theater mostly through dance when I was 18, I did a show at a dinner theater that's been long gone, the Talk of the Town Dinner Theater, and I played one of the Gemini twins. Now, was the Talk of the Town Dinner Theater over in Council Bluffs, or was it no, in Omaha? No, that was in Omaha. Right. It, was, it's, it was on 84th Street. It's now the Shriners Mosque, oh, just off the of center. sure. Yeah. Okay, right yeah. there on the corner. Yeah, it was so cool. I couldn't believe they were paying me to do this. So <laughs> it was a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. And I played one of the Gemini twins, and my friend Robin Putnam was the other. And we just had so much fun, and I couldn't believe I was being paid to do this. So basically, I got in through dance, but I always knew I wanted to do more than that. And uh, as I got into theater... I uh, did did a few musicals, uh, a couple operettas at the Norton. I did some upstairs dinner theater, a couple of firehouse dinner theaters, and Bellevue and Chanticleer and Playhouse. My first show at the Playhouse was, uh, I was one of the Sugar Babies. The first time they did Sugar Babies. Oh, God, that was fun, too. And I got a couple little featured parts in that. But I very quickly realized that, A, I didn't have the best singing voice in the world, far from it, and B, there was this world of drama out there where I was really, really struck by the power of theater when I started to really try to get into it and going to more shows and that that's what I wanted to do. I went to a production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. It was done at the Norton Theater, and it was directed by Kathy Kurz. Amy Coons played Maggie, and I don't remember the gentleman that played Brick, but little diminutive Paul Smith played Big Daddy, and he was Big Daddy, and... The power of those performances, that show, I that, that's when I was doing musicals and dancing mostly, and I just was transformed. And just that communal experience of just that kind of powerful drama 
I just went, that's what I want to do. There it is. That's it. I want to be part of that. Didn't know if I'd be able to be, but I darn near, uh, I knew I was going to try. Sure. So. Anybody else in your family? I know you have sisters. Do you have any brothers? I've got one sister, two brothers. One sister, two brothers. Yeah. Do they share the theatrical uh, talents that you do? Do they do? No. Do they perform? Or? They, none of them perform except for my older brother. I've got one younger, one older. And my older brother always played in a band. Okay. And yeah, played guitar, sang, and growing up, we would have he would in his band besides playing other places would sometimes set up in our driveway, and you know there'd be the garage band thing, and people yeah, just would come last, listen to him. Just but. last week, I had Amanda uh, Fellner, the uh, associate costume designer, over at the Playhouse over, and for some random reason, my backyard, na- my neighbor just right across my backyard, decided to like put on a show for I don't know who I can't see over there but he yeah. was back on his back stoop with his guitar and a microphone you could hear it all through the neighborhood oh, he has cool. a little set list up on taped up on the outside wall and I'm like really well all right <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of a backyard thing yeah. it wasn't a garage thing so <laughs> where'd you go to high school did you go to TJ I went to TJ, yeah. Okay, and you did some shows there as well. I did not. You didn't? Okay. I did not. I was not at TJ for very long. Okay. I uh, My life has kind of taken a lot of bends and turns, and, and I actually didn't graduate with my class from TJ. I went back and got a GED later. Okay. Yeah, and from there took various college classes just because I wanted to. Right. But so I didn't have your normal, you know, oh, I did this in high school and I did that in high school sure. or uh, college or right. any of that. It's It's been learning on the fly. And there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, no, there's not. Let's talk a little bit about The Little Foxes. Okay. So tell me a little bit about that show and your experience with that. Oh, that I, I've done it twice. And the first time I did it for Bridget St. Bridget Theater, <clears throat> directed by Kathy Kurz, just a phenomenal cast. And uh, I really did love doing that part. I mean, Regina, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And both times I did it, I had wonderful actors playing my husband, that who I watched die. And uh, I also did it at the Playhouse. And again, wonderful cast, wonderful experience. Um, and who was your director for that one? Uh, that was Michelle and oh. Mary Michelle Phillips. Okay. Yeah. So that, yeah, both times were great experiences, and I loved playing that role both times. When you got into theater and you started performing across town, various places, did you? have any one in the community that you kind of looked up to that you kind of like were your mentors? Oh, absolutely. And and I've learned from so many people along the way, but it started out being Kathy Kurz. Okay. I learned so much from her. Speaking about my life, taking bends and turns and, you know, you think you're planning for one thing, but something entirely different happens. That's mm-hmm. That's been the way and it's been terrific. I was in the audition process for a gypsy okay at the playhouse and i was asked to call backs and then things happened that those callbacks got postponed and meanwhile i was asked to audition for kathy was directing a couple of shows in repertory the lark and after the fall a semi-autobiographical arthur miller piece and 
so I did, and uh, and I said, well, you know, I'm I'm in these audition process, but then uh, the audition process got slowed down for various reasons, and she cast me as Maggie, and after the fall, which was based on Marilyn Monroe. Mm. Maggie instead of Marilyn. Mm -hmm. Um, She was a singer instead of an actress. But the whole downward spiral into drugs and alcohol, so on and so forth, you know, that couldn't have been a better thing that could happen to me to get that role instead of continuing on with another musical, which, by the way, I wouldn't have gotten cast anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It ended up being wonderfully cast with Delaney Delaney Driscoll. Like I said, singing is not my strong point. (laughs) But that was the first time I'd really, really been directed and gotten into a role like that, just very dramatic. And by the way, filled with a a cast of John Durbin or John Mm -hmm. Jackson, Mm -hmm. played the Arthur Miller role. Uh, working with him was just divine. That that was just such an incredible play. I, for most of the first act, I was simply laying on a bed on the stage. And some of the things that happened to Arthur Miller and all the developments took place during Act One. And towards the end, I rise and we start off on the scene and then I'm on pretty much there, then through Act Two, until Maggie dies. And what an opportunity to play a role like that. It was mm-hmm. just incredible, and I was totally involved in it and learned so much. And then I worked with Kathy for so many shows after that and just really learned a lot. Mm-hmm. So she was, and then many others have been my mentors since then. What do you what do you take away, I guess, from the directors that you work with? What are some of the things that, for example, Kathy taught you that made you a better performer, would you say? That's a hard question to answer because there's so much. Sure. And through each experience, there's more. I mean, that was such a beginning place for me. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to answer. And, and, and then from there, working with people like Susie Collins, okay. uh, working with Carl Beck, Susan Clement Tober, and recently uh, Ablan um, Roblin, and uh, many others, mm-hmm. just many others. And I don't want to leave anybody oh, out, sure. but I always, always learn. And I took a few classes, took some acting classes through the Playhouse early on and learned a lot there too. Bill Hudson was one of the teachers, a class I took. Of course, Susie Collins. What is it about dramas that you're drawn to? I love dramas. I love getting into the nitty gritty of my life has been rather dramatic, I guess you could say. I just think it's so (laughs) healing. It's so, you learn so much, not just about the play you're doing, And the characters and what they go through and that catharsis, but, or not, but also the other people that you work with while you're on this journey, it's just always been what I've been attracted to. Even when I was really young and watching movies on TV, I mean, I watched some pretty dark movies. I had no idea what they meant, Mm -hmm. necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I was glued to that TV set. 
I just always have been, and I love comedy. So I and I would say that my favorite is probably a dark comedy. Okay, you know, dramatic comedy with Get the a best dark little in there. Yeah, the best yeah, of both worlds. Absolutely, some of the darkest things bring out the most laughter. True. Yeah. True. You said that you had a somewhat dramatic life. So, do you tap into those emotions? when you are cast in shows. Yes, I do. Absolutely. I think everybody does and and everybody has things to pull from. Uh, I definitely do. Well, as a matter of fact, it makes me think of a story back when Kathy Kurz was looking to cast somebody as Maggie in After the Fall. She was talking to somebody else who happened to know me pretty well and she said, "You know, I need I need somebody who can kind of go there. I need somebody who has a past. And this person said to Kathy, well... Connie Lee has a past. (laughs) Connie has a past. (laughs) (laughs) So it's true. You know, and people that know me well or know me from long, I'm, I'm not a very anonymous person. I'm kind of out there. For instance... I have been uh, free of alcohol for almost 35 years. So that's definitely something that took me on paths I wouldn't have gone on otherwise. But, um, and everybody has, you know, loss that they, they draw on or different things. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot that's happened in my life that I have to draw on, and I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, for me, it always, like, for instance, when, I, when you finish a dramatic role and maybe things turn south and, and people will say to you afterwards, or you, you've shown a lot of emotion on stage, it's like, oh, my gosh, you just must feel, you know, expecting you to feel really down or sad. It's like, no, I feel triumphant. Mm-hmm. I feel great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very, it's very cathartic. Yeah. You can yeah. kind of get that stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and know that you didn't go that path. Right. Yeah. You're right. still here. You're, you're, you're doing well. So. Exactly. Exactly. You've had a very varied career as far as like roles that you've done. I never saw the movie The Graduate. I know what it's about, oh. but I never saw the movie. It's kind of like on one of my lists of yeah, like things that, that I've got to get to eventually. And that is such an iconic role. So, one, how do you have the guts <laughs> to go out and audition for a role? And then is it like a holy F? I got the role. <laughs> now what do I do? Talk about that experience because it is. I mean, it's you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like people walk in with an expectation, yeah. right? It's yeah. like Anne Bancroft, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. And now we have Connie Lee and was it who was your who was was it Ben Burkholz? No, 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 no. Kevin Bensley. He was awesome. The whole cast was awesome. Yes. It was very daunting. I felt almost foolish going to audition. But you know what? That's usually the way I feel going to an audition. I may strongly feel like I have something to give the part. I may strongly feel like I want the part. But that doesn't mean that I feel confident about doing the part. Rarely. 
if ever. But, you know, the courage is, you know, taking the action even when you're afraid. So I have enough of a drive. Like I say, I'm a lifelong addict. And I say that in the most loving terms when I say addict. I love doing this. And so, yes, I had seen the movie. I had loved the movie and had no idea how I could be Mrs. Robinson. But I auditioned anyway. And luckily, you have a good director. You don't have to know how to be (laughs) Mrs. Robinson. And uh, the, the film, what I think the thing that shocked me about that play the most was that the film, when you do see it, it is all about these theatrical shots with the camera mm-hmm. and the music, you know, Simon and Garfunkel. And it's just so iconic and just so captures the spirit of that moment in time. The play, on the other hand, is immediate. It's such a different feeling. The play is, for one thing, I think, far funnier than the movie oh my gosh, there were so many moments in that play that were just side-splittingly funny. There was a moment between me and Kevin Bensley where we're standing across the room from each other and we're in the bedroom for the first time and Mrs. Robinson is trying to have her way with him and he's scared to go there and she says something to, I'm like, I'm going to mess up the lines here, but well, don't you find me attractive? And he says, oh, Mrs. Robinson, I I think you're the most attractive of all my parents' friends. (laughs) (laughs) And that moment and the intensity of that scene, the crowd would erupt with laughter, and I would be standing diagonally across the stage from him, trying, just staring, waiting for the laughter to subside and trying not for one of the corners of my mouth to start turning into a smile or a laugh. And it was just fabulous. But I did love my experience playing that role. Carl Beck was wonderful. He got me there. And all the others, all the others, I mean. And it was well-received. It was well-received. The the entire cast was just fabulous. It was very well-received, and we just had a blast doing it. And, you know, that moment reminds me of another moment that was just so funny where I'm standing across the stage from someone, and it's a very intense scene, and she's talking to me about a play that she saw of my son's. And she says, and it was all kind of sensuous. <laughs> exactly. Which it happened to be Dana Schweiger standing across the stage from me oh, in yeah. one of my favorite scenes ever to play opposite oh, someone. Sort of uh, lives. I would dueling do that show sisters. Again. And uh, it's another moment where I'd have to just stand there and not have the side of my mouth start to quiver and break into a smile or laugh. But anyway, yeah. So that was, a, yeah. 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 You were fabulous. Oh, uh, thank you. So were you. I would love to do that show again. <laughs> Same time next year. That was yeah. the one with Ben Burkholz. Yes, it was. 
done a couple with Ben, and they were both fabulous shows. That incredible. And a piece, ex- that and a piece of yeah, my heart. Yeah, yeah. I think a piece of my heart was the first show. Did you do that? You did that. Uh, you did a piece of my heart before you did come back to the five and dime, didn't you? Pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. Because I think I think a piece of my heart was the first thing that I saw you in, and then I had the opportunity to try and and work on come back to the five and dime trying to just throw lights on stage and that was the first time that we actually interacted but a piece of my heart was that's a show that I'm actually surprised hasn't been done again in Omaha yeah even if it wasn't the Blue Barn doing uh-huh. it again just because it's such a powerful show for women mm-hmm and with so many powerful women in this town, I'm, I'm really surprised with the amount of shows that tend to float from theater to theater over the years that have right. been done, that that isn't one of them. But that's a pretty, that was a pretty special experience for all of you yes, because you got to take it to Washington, D.C. For so many reasons. So, right. So talk, let's talk a little yeah. bit about, about that show. Sure. Uh, let's give a synopsis for for those people who mm-hmm. don't know what the show's about, and then the the process with that. Sure, a piece of my heart is about women in various roles who were in Vietnam during the war, and it takes you through them getting there, their experience of being there, and then it breaks, and in the second act is them coming home and their experience being home afterwards in and the aftermath. And it's all women except for one man, mm-hmm. Ben Burkholz, who plays all the men in the right, show. Right, right. So there were, what, six of us women? And <clears throat> we all had a central character, but we all also played many other parts. And then Ben Burkholz played every man that was involved. <laughs> and, uh, and it... it it would be so timely to do it now. All the same themes would still resonate so much. And me being a part of, I remember being worried that my older brother was going to go to Vietnam. I remember the lottery system and whether or not he'd be called up, and he wasn't. But I didn't really know. I, I, I've learned so much in theater, and some of it has to do with history, whether you're studying a different time period or, you know, and this just back to that particular time period. But I learned so much about it while we were preparing that show. And Susan just, oh, uh, we had people come in from, we had, from, from nursing, from, a USO performer. We had somebody there from the service that was kind of our guide to how things would go. We read stories. We, I mean, we just learned so much that just took you right there with those vets. And then throughout the course of rehearsing the show, it, 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 you know, it's a fast-moving, such a powerful show not only for being thrown into that situation, no matter their role, but what they faced when they came back. Then we did a whole run of the show at Blue Barn. 
it was after that that we got invited to perform it for the 10th anniversary of the Women's Vietnam Memorial. So I'm going to pause you. I'm going to pause for one second before we get to that part of it. When you did the show here, mm-hmm. did you have vets that came to see the show? And if you did, what was their what was their reaction to it? Yes, we did. We had vets that worked with us, and we had mm-hmm. vets that came to see the show. And when you are performing for people we even had some people see the show that some of these characters were loosely based on talk about (laughs) being nervous about it and 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 wanting so badly to do it well for them we had people that just opened up to us and were so grateful to have any piece of their story being told because it came from a book that told about a lot of different women, and those were kind of distilled down into these six characters. But vets that came to see the show were just so grateful to have their story told. They just opened up their arms and kind of swallowed us whole, both when they came to see the show, whoever came to see the show here in Omaha, but the experience in Washington, D.C. Right. Do you know how your particular production was invited to go out to the 10th anniversary? Oh, Dana. My brain is a scary place. (laughs) Believe me, if I was Um, sitting on the other side of the mic being asked questions, I'd be like, uh... (laughs) Well, there's a particular woman, and I'm not going to be able to come up with her name or what organization she's connected to, but she knew of our show and was involved, and she was somehow connected, and she's the one that got us invited to perform this as a part of the festivities on Veterans Day week that year and a part of the 10th anniversary of the Vietnam Women's Memorial. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I, it's to this day, it's one of those things that I wish I was out in New York at that time doing, uh, doing the show that I did out in New York, and I was trying to figure out how to get down there to, 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 oh. to, because it wasn't that long, it wasn't that long of a trip. And I was like, I was trying to figure out how to get down there for that, and I just, I couldn't. So, but talk about that experience and and what that was like. So whatever our experience was in Omaha, you can kind of magnify that by about seven. Let's say seven. (laughs) First of all, you've got this journey that all of you are making together. We've already done the show once. And then we did it just, I think maybe, and, and again, my memory's not so good on this, a couple of times again in Omaha, uh, or maybe a week, or I don't remember. But we did it again in Omaha to get us up and running again. But then we took off for Washington, D.C. So we have uh, 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 some people riding in a truck along with our scenery, carting our scenery and our costumes and everything there, and actors and director and other people flying there. And um, so we're all on this journey together to try to recreate this magic, but trying to do it for the most important audience ever because that audience was specifically for vets. And it was going to be filled with vets and many women that were there. I mean, 
I played a Red Cross worker, Donut Dolly, and I met many of them. So we get there, and then it's the race to get everything ready. It's, and you know, you're, uh, how many shows did we do? I think we did like two one day, two the next day, and oh, how did that go? Or one, and then two, and then two. I don't remember, but it was all very fast-paced. So we have to get it ready, kind of do get everything up and running, get everything where it needs to be, and do a real quick run-through, and then be ready for this most important crowd ever. And we did talkbacks after shows. I mean, it was filled with people that the show was about. We met some of the people that some of these characters were based on. And, and where did you do it in Washington, D.C.? Was it, I mean, it was, obviously it was inside somewhere. It was a, uh, the, the, war memori- the war memorial space, but there was a stage in there theater. There was a stage. In this. So how many people would you say saw the, I mean, like hundreds? I'm the worst person in the world to gauge <laughs> that kind of thing. Did like four or five performances. Yeah, we. I think we did five performances, okay. and it was pretty well filled every sure. time. We got to talk to a lot of people so afterwards. Was, sure. And afterwards, I mean, talk about people that they shared their stories with us. Mm-hmm. And we had people in all various stages of having been affected by that experiences, that their experiences there. Some of them were just so happy to see us and just as if we were part of their experience I mean they were so generous and telling the you know needing to tell their stories we had some people that were pretty needy and kind of broken by it still after all these years and and not surprisingly we had some people that were just happy to see their story told and just happy to see us portraying them and everything in between one of my favorite parts of the whole trip. We were also invited on Veterans Day then to share in, after our performances were over, to share in all the festivities that went on during the mall. And there were speeches given, poems recited, all kinds of things going on. And we'd run into people that had seen the show and they would just come running up to us. But um, it was really interesting during the talkbacks and talking to people afterwards. They would hang around to talk to us. We got to go to a a party. They invited us to come to a party at a hotel that they always have and participate in the things that they do every time. You know, I'm sitting at this, and and there's there's music and and music of the era and things that they do do to certain songs that were Vietnam-related. There was this woman that had been in Vietnam, and and, and, uh, I'm sitting at a table, and a certain song came on. I wish I could remember what it was. I think it was a CCR song. And she came, I was sitting at the table and she comes over and she takes hold of my hand and pulls me up. And she said, here, this is what we do. And we all held hands and swayed to this song during the song. Just magical, magical moments. But after the last show, and we're talking the show in the evening, and then we have to pack up everything from the set and everything from our costumes, props, etc. And there was a group that wanted to take us on their tour of 
the, the Vietnam Wall. So, in November, at about 1 o'clock in the morning, we met these vets who, and like, again, I'm, my mind isn't very good on keeping some of these details, but they were part of this group that, uh, of a certain group that had been there and ride motorcycles. And, you know, <laughs> sorry about that. That's okay. And so we met them there, and they took us on their tour of going through the mall and the memorials. And, you know, I had never been there before, and then coming to the wall. And it's late at night, and it's still, and it's freezing cold. And we've learned about all these people and all the people that we've lost. And I can't hardly talk about it. You know, and you've mm-hmm. just been through this rush of emotions through putting on this show and meeting all this pe- these people. And the fact that they wanted to take us on this tour. So anyway, we did that. And afterwards, well, I, I broke down for a while, but we get back to the hotel and we just all sat there, Susan and Houston and Julie and Angie, and I don't want to leave anybody out, sure. so I'm just going to stop right there. Yep. Just shared that moment for a while and drank some hot cocoa and just talked and laughed. And that was incredible. I have a new appreciation for all of those circumstances of war, of what that really means, of... And not just Vietnam, any war. That's, yes, the conflicts that are going on now, what it would mean to get back into one. And, you know, I have a grandson in the Air Force. Yeah. So, yeah, life-altering experience. So grateful for that. I'm so grateful. Magical. Yeah. Magical. Mm, that gives me chills. Your experience with Always Patsy Cline, now you've mm-hmm. done, that's a show you've done twice. So it really, it was all part of one run. Sure. You know, they brought sure. it back very yep. quickly. Yep. Yeah. And that was done with the Performing Arts Repertory Theater. That's right. Yep. Gordon Cantiello. Gordon, Gordon Cantiello over there, in, over in uh, Crossroads. Mm-hmm. Let's talk for a moment about that experience and how you got involved with that and what that was like for you. Let me backtrack for just a minute. Sure. I had met Gordon decades ago. He's been doing theater in the area here, there, and everywhere for decades. And I saw the first production of Always Patsy Cline in Omaha. And it was done at the Howard Street Tavern by Gordon Cantiello. And I don't recall the woman's name that played Patsy. She was marvelous. But the person who played Louise, which is the role that I then played, was Phyllis Doman. Oh. And, you know, I couldn't wait to see her. I couldn't imagine this woman that was the Belle of Amherst and all these heavy roles and, uh, you know, that just all these. And I sat and had dinner with, dinner with her afterwards. And it, the, it was per, it was a kind of a bare-bones production. And it was marvelous. I loved it. And I did not know how much I knew of Patsy Cline until I saw this show. And all the songs that I just loved. And Phyllis was absolutely marvelous. Had dinner, sat and had dinner. And and I said, so, are you having fun? And she said, oh, I could do this forever. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, that's 
so cool. Well, then I saw it at the Playhouse when they did it. And again, two marvelous people. Erica plays Patsy. And Judy plays Louise. And that was the one that I saw. And they were marvelous. And it was not a bare-bones production at all. It was much more elaborate because it was the playhouse and it was beautiful. And I was every bit as... it, It was different and it was fabulous and I loved it. As a matter of fact, I had auditioned for that show, yeah. And then didn't think much more about it and I got a phone call one day. It was Gordon Cantiello wondering if I might want somebody had given him my name and if I might want to audition for the role. And I said, yes. So (laughs) I did. And I got cast and started work on this thing. And just like every other time, I was really afraid. (laughs) But as soon as I started working the lines, I felt like, yeah, this could be really good. And then I met Kellen Wooten, who played Patsy, and I went, oh, no, this isn't going to be really good. This is going to be really, really good, because she is just marvelous. She, I, she's just it. She's the cat's pajamas. <laughs> and she was so fun to work with. It was just great. The thing that I like, the thing that I like about that script, and you kind of, you kind of touched on it a little bit, because... The production that you did was more minimalist itself, and and part mm-hmm. of it is due to where the where the shows are mounted over there, and there's not a heck of a lot of space, and you know the band has to be on stage, and then you get the backup singers and and everything. But that show in particular, whether it's done, it can be done anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. It's it's one of those plays that kind of transcends. What do I want to say? The the you can either do it with spectacle, uh-huh. or you could do it yeah. very, very minimal, or anything in between, or anything, yeah, or anything in between. And some of that, I think, has to do with the music itself, yeah. and it kind of goes back to how endearing Patsy Cline was. Yes, you know, and that, and that was kind of the that was kind of the thing is like, and and it was kind of interesting because I had seen the show at the Playhouse, and I'm like, yeah, and then revisiting it when I saw your show, and I'm like. You know, she really just had some damn good music that yeah. was just every single one of them. And what was fun about that was when you would get into another Patsy Cline song and then the audience would start to applaud. And they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is a good one. You know, and everybody's like, yep, this, yep. Oh, oh, yeah. I like oh, this yeah. one. Oh, yeah. I like this one. <laughs> but ta- your character, the character of Louise is great because she's, you know, she's a little bit bigger than life. You know, she's oh, kind yeah. of the, the fan, you know, the fan girl. Mm-hmm. She provides a little bit of, you know, a lot of comic relief in the show. It's Hopefully. A, it's a nice, yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a nice mix of that because you serve as narrator as mm-hmm. well as, you know, providing the comic relief, which is a nice juxtaposition with Patsy's music. So the, yeah. the show itself is set up well. Yeah, I think the show is set up beautifully. And therefore, it is done over and over again. And it's popular over and over again. And I think our production, it wasn't as bare bones as the first production I ever saw, Mm -hmm. but certainly not big, but just all the right elements. Yeah, first of all, you have the music. So like for me, I'm a Beatle maniac. And when I was growing up, the Beatles were a part of so many 
the Beatles spoke to me, and starting with their yeah, yeah, yeah days and on through the, you know, more elaborate songs and the places they went with it, I just, that moves me so much. And it instantly connects me to what was going on at the time in my life. And I'm just, I'm a Beatlemaniac. And people are that way about Patsy Cline. So they're kind of reliving some youth. And the songs, the heartbreak songs. So you have that music that she did so well, plus just that wonderful personality of hers that Kellen just nailed. And then you have the fan Louise. And yes, she is a big character, and Gordon wanted me to be a big character, and I loved doing it. So she's the, the, the fan and tells her story of loving Patsy's music and finally stakes out a table and is going to meet Patsy Cline when she's coming through town early on before she's a super huge name and uh, ends up taking her home after the show is over and cooking her some eggs and bacon and talking about their love lives. And, and she ends up spending the night there and takes her to the uh, airport the next morning. And the two of them share a pen pal relationship and some phone calls until Patsy's death. And Louise I just couldn't have more fun playing a character. I mean, she is big. She's out there. And I don't always get the opportunity to do something like that. So it was just so much fun. And I love, even though it scares me, most of the things I love really scare me, um, I love talking to the audience. And I've done that many times in shows. And so... For the most part, Louise is just talking to the audience and telling them this story and, and occasionally has little scenettes with Patsy. But for the most part, she's talking to the audience and got to go out into the audience and drag people up to, uh, guys up to dance with me and, and you know. How do you, how do you as an actor deal with that when you have to interact with the audience and you have like a white, obviously, because the audience is going to be different every night. So you might have nights where you have to force somebody to help, you know, get up with you. And then there are nights when you're like, okay, buddy, we're the two people in the show, not you. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, as an actor, how do you deal with that on the fly? I don't know. It just happens. It just happens. And being a character like Louise, becoming that character makes it a lot easier because she's not going to put up with a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> and um, uh, that actually was one of the things I was worried about, doing the kind of on-the-fly on things. Mm -hmm. But you have a bunch, for me, a, a lot of people are really good at that. That's not one of my strongest points, but I had so much fun doing it. And people are there to play with you. They're ready to play. Right. For the most part. You know, if somebody's kind of turning their back, you're not going to pick on them to crack a joke at. You're just not going to do it. I mean, right. you got to read them. But, you know, I had several one-liners or little joke setups in my mind that, and some that are in the script that, you know, depending on what you saw in front of you, that's what you go with. But there was one night in particular, I didn't usually have a problem getting a guy to dance with me. It's like, it's okay, I'll lead. Come on. But uh, one night, I hit four guys that would not get up to dance with me. And I thought, this is a first. 
This song is going to be over, and I will not have danced with anybody. Well, it just so happens uh, one of my cousins was in the audience. (laughs) (laughs) So I went and grabbed her husband. (laughs) Thank you, Jim Sherwood. And uh, he danced with me. So, um, yeah, you just never know what's going to happen, but... That's part of the fun of it. And some, one night, I got this fabulous dancer that just swung me all over the place. And it's like, he came back the very next show. And so I hit him up again, and we danced again. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. It was just so much fun being that character. Are there any roles out there that you haven't tackled that you would love to tackle? No. I have never had the roles. You're like, I want to do that role. Where something takes me has always been usually better than what I thought I wanted to go after. I've never been one of those person that has a list of roles they want to do. And quite frankly, by this age, (laughs) the, the roles that are available have dwindled down so much. And I think that's a cry in shame. Right. But rather than roles that I want to do, as I've gotten older, I do have a bucket list. And they have to do with the people I want to work with. There are directors that I've worked with before that I want to work with again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are actors that I've worked with before that I want to work with again. There are actors that I have not had the opportunity to exchange words with on stage Mm -hmm. that I want to act with. So I do have my bucket list. And on my bucket list are people. That's really cool. That's a good way of looking at that. I like that. Yeah, and that just list just keeps growing. Yeah, yeah. When we have so many talented people in town, you do want want to work with them. I, I go back to... I go back to Sorted Lives mm-hmm. and and the audition for that. I remember that audition up at Northside. And you walked in and with the shows I had seen you in and your reputation. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> Connie Lee, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and then we got cast. And I was like, bing, bucket list. Got a chance to work <laughs> oh with Connie God. Lee. So I get that. I under yeah, I totally yeah. understand that that there are people, you know, and I mean, it's one of those things that uh <laughs> and and for the longest time and I guess you know, you go and you look back and go, "Oh gosh, I've been doing this for me anyway." You know, like 20 some plus years I've been doing theater around here and and you've been doing it for, you know, obviously longer than that. And then you sit there and you go, "I I'm surprised people know who I am." And then you're, and then you're like, "Oh, it's been yeah. 25 years." Well, I guess people should know who I am. <laughs> And that's, it's not being pretentious, but it, it, for that, it was that way for me when yes. I worked with people and I'm like, you know who I am? I'm so, I'm surprised. Yeah, Dana, you are far too modest. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's one of those things. So I get that with the, with the bucket list and people wanting to work with. What's your favorite color? It used to be red and I liked all things earth tone. And that has changed over the years as I've gotten into this stage of my life. <laughs> I kind of like now blue. Oh, okay. I was going to say conservative beige. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly, no. Um, <laughs> blues, greens, mixture of, like my, my house that I bought four years ago, it's got a combination of like a sea foam and some red. So I like some of that fire 
But I like some calming elements, too. Who's your favorite author? I don't know. What type of books do you like to read? Oh, it's so varied. I, okay. I'm always a sucker for Stephen King. Me too. I just am. And some of his are, you know, admittedly better than others, but I'm always a sucker. And I love his short stories too, but I I don't have one favorite author and it's pretty eclectic. What I do read, I, I, I really can't. That's okay. And sometimes I get into that again from from a play and it'll send me off in a direction then I read more about it right or autobiographies of people or biographies of people because of a play Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's your favorite Stephen King book I would have to say The Stand I mean it just goes so far it takes you so deep Mm -hmm. and this I would yeah I would have to say The Stand and sadly Stephen King does not translate all that well to film. There's, in most cases... In most cases, I would agree with that. There's so many things that are so believable and scary in my mind that once I see something tried to be portrayed that way on screen, it just looks silly. (laughs) For example, The Shining. One of the, the things I found most scary was like the hedge animals. Yes. It was so creepy. What, did I see that out of the corner of my eye? How can that be? And you try to put that on screen, and it's just silly. Did you see the Did you see the uh, miniseries that ABC did that actually John Durbin was in that? Of course I did, because John Durbin was in it. <laughs> and it was ex- Stephen King. Exactly. Well, yeah, John Durbin was in it. Uh, that one was a little more close closer to the book, to the book yeah. than, uh, than the Kubrick movie. Yeah, yeah. So and I, I love the Kubrick movie, yeah. by the way, for what right. it is. For I what love it. For what it is, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. I didn't like the kid who played Danny Torrance in the ABC miniseries. He was on The Young and the Restless, and he, he was little, <laughs> he was Philip Chancellor then, and I hated him then, and I hated him in The, Stand, in the Shining. <laughs> if you could go back in time and have lunch with any historical figure, who would you have lunch with? Wow. And where would you go? (laughs) And where would I go? Oh, well, I would probably, I would go to either New York City or L.A. Hollywood. Okay, so let's go the L.A. Hollywood route. Okay. I don't know about historical. Sure. But I am fascinated with the acting profession in the 40s and 50s, Mm -hmm. 30s, 40s, 50s. So if I could go to one of the famous <laughs> uh, Hollywood eateries, of which there are many, or in New York, with uh, some of the actors or actresses from that time, mm. that would be my deal. And there's so many of them I would have loved to have, or playwrights. Would that be the era that you would love to live in if you didn't live now? Not really. Okay. <laughs> I like to think that, but it's sure. not true. Okay. I like everything that comes with living today. Okay. Where we, well, sadly, we're not where I wish we were today, but <clears throat> there certainly are a lot of things that have advanced that mm-hmm. I'm grateful for what I have today. Sure. But I certainly do romanticize living in those eras and the fashions. Love Hell the fashions. Yeah. What's your favorite curse word? Oh, the standard, the F word. <laughs> And used in every single imaginable way, (laughs) often Often. with relish. (laughs) Connie Lee, thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Enjoy being here. Thank you for listening to the Thank You Five podcast. 
with original theme music by Tim Vallier. For more information about tonight's guest, please visit www.thankyou5pod.com. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And remember that right now, somewhere in the world, a stage manager is saying, five minutes to curtain. Thank you, five. 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 That's theater talk.